Chapter One of the Campfire Girls Amid the Snows. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. The Campfire Girls amid the snows by margaret vandercook chapter one the winter matadu the snow was falling in heavy slashing sheets and a december snowstorm in the new hampshire hills means something more serious than a storm in city streets or even an equal downfall upon more level meadows and plains yet on this winter afternoon about an hour before twilight and along the base of a hill where a rough road wandered between tall cedars and pine trees and low bushes and shrubs there sounded continually above the snow's silencing two voices sometimes laughing occasionally singing a brief line or so but more often talking accompanying them always was a steady jingle of bells we simply can't get there tonight princess one of the voices protested still with a questioning note as though hardly believing in its own assertion we simply can't do anything else my child the other answered teasingly have you ever thought how much harder it is to travel backward in this world than forward otherwise i suppose we should have had eyes placed in the back of our heads and our feet would have turned around the other way don't be frightened there really isn't the least danger then there was a sudden swish of a whip cutting the cold air and with a fresh tinkling of bells the shaggy pony plunged ahead five minutes afterwards with an instinctive stiffening of his forelegs he started sliding slowly down a steep embankment where the road apparently ended dragging his load behind him and only stopping on finally reaching the low ground and finding his sleigh had overturned for a while the unusual stillness was oppressive but a little later there followed a movement and then an unsteady voice calling steady firestar as a tall girl in a gray hood and coat covered all over with snow came crawling forth from the uppermost side of the sleigh and immediately began pulling at it with trembling hands princess princess please speak or move oh it is all my fault i should never have let you attempt it i am the older and even a little smothered sound and a slight disturbance under an immense fur rug interrupted her i can't speak esther until i get some of this snow out of my mouth and i can't move until this grocery store is lifted off me i'm 
I'm the underside of things. There are ten pounds of sugar and a sack of flour and all the week's camping supplies between me and the gay world. A break in the cheerful tones ended these words, and there was no further stirring, but Esther Clark failed to notice this as she first lifted the rug, which had almost covered up Betty Ashton, and then helped her to sit upright, looking more of a snow princess than even the weather justified. For all about there, there were small mounds of sugar and flour, white as the snow itself, and dissolving like dew while Betty's seal cap and coat were encrusted in ice and the snow hung from her brows and lashes. Indeed, her face, usually so brilliantly colored, was now almost as pale. Esther was again tugging at the overturned sleigh, trying to set it upright, the pony waiting motionless except for turning his head as if with the suggestion that matters be hurried along. I could manage a great deal better, Betty, if you would help me, Esther protested a little indignantly. I know the girls at Sunrise Cabin are getting dreadfully worried over our being so late in arriving at home. Betty shivered. I am getting a bit worried myself she agreed and i might as well confess to you esther that i haven't the faintest idea where we are nor how far from the village or our camp this snow has completely mixed me up and i haven't sprained my ankle of course or broken it or done anything quite so silly but my foot does hurt most awfully and i know i can never stand up on it again and if i wasn't a campfire girl about to be made a torch-bearer i'd like to weep and weep until i melted away into a beautiful iceberg and then in spite of her brave fooling betty did blink and choke but only for an instant for the sight of her companion's face made her smile again. The runner of our sleigh has snapped in two, Esther next announced in accents of despair, after having partially dragged the sleigh upright, although one runner still remained embedded several inches deeper than the other in the drift of snow which had caused their disaster. Betty held up both hands, I believe it never rains, but it pours, she said a little mockingly. But what about the snow? I am sorry I was so obstinate, dear. It is nice to be sorry when the deed is done, isn't it? I suppose I should never have attempted driving back to Sunrise Hill in such an evening, but then we did need our groceries so terribly in camp and i was afraid nobody would bring them tomorrow and well 
as i have gotten you into this scrape i must get you out of it so by clinging with both hands to esther betty ashton by sheer force of will did manage to rise on the one sound foot and then putting the injured one on the ground she stood wavering for a second i'm thinking esther so please don't interrupt me for a moment she gasped as soon as she found breath i can't but feel that this is our first real emergency since we started our campfire in the woods this winter if we only are able to get out of it successfully why why won't polly be envious betty ashton was so plainly talking at the present instant to gain time that the older girl did not pay the slightest attention to her instead she was thinking herself of course she or betty could mount their pony and ride off somewhere to look for help but then esther had no fancy for being left alone in a snowstorm in a part of the country which she did not know in its present aspect and certainly under the circumstances she had no intention of leaving betty to the same fate imagination however was never one of esther clark's strong points although fortunately for them both now and in later years it was always a gift of the other girls better let me sit down again betty suggested letting go of her clasp on her friend and will you unhitch firestar and lead her here to me somehow i think it's best for us to manage to get back on the road and find some sort of shelter up there under the trees until the worst of this storm is past with betty to think and esther to accomplish things usually moved swiftly so five minutes later half leading and half being led by the pony esther climbed the embankment on foot with betty riding and clinging with both arms about firestar's neck under a pine tree partly protected from the wind and snow by scrub pines growing only a few feet away the girls found a temporary refuge there they remained sheltered by the fur rug which esther brought back on her second trip the pony safely covered over with his own blanket stood hitched under another tree a short distance away nevertheless half an hour of waiting found the two girls shivering uncomfortably under their rug and losing courage with every passing moment for the storm had not abated in the least and betty was really suffering agonies with her foot although she had removed her shoe bathed her ankle in snow and bound it up in her own and esther's pocket handkerchiefs esther she said 
rather irritably after a fresh paroxysm of pain had left her almost exhausted don't you think that as we have been campfire girls living in the woods for the past six months even though conditions do seem trying we ought to do something and not just sit here in this limp fashion and be snowed under esther nodded but made no sort of suggestion she was so cold and worried about betty that she hadn't an idea in her mind save the haunting fear that if they continued long in their present situation they might actually be turned into icebergs however betty promptly gave her a pinch that was realistic enough to be felt in spite of all her frozenness wake up esther dear and if you are really so cold child just warm yourself by your nose it certainly is red enough now as you girls have always said i dearly love to boss please won't you let me be general of this expedition and you do what i say since i am too lame to help again esther nodded she generally had done whatever betty ashton had asked her to do since the day of her coming to the great ashton homestead in woodford a little more than half a year before but as betty outlined her plan esther grew interested and in half a moment jumping up began stamping her feet and swinging her arms to get the warmth and vigor back into her body why betty ashton of course we can manage even to stay here in the woods all night and not have such a horrid time it won't be so difficult i'll have things fixed in the least little while a short time afterwards and esther had brought up from their broken sleigh a portion of the precious grocery supplies which she and betty had driven into woodford early that afternoon to obtain a can of coffee crackers a side of bacon and most welcome of all a bundle of kindling tied as neatly together as toothpicks for several weeks of having to gather wood out of doors oftentimes in the snow and rain and then drying it under cover had made an occasional supply of kindling from the shops in town extremely grateful to the campfire makers fortunately betty had filled the last remaining space in their sleigh with kindling wood before starting back to camp and in esther's several absences she had been diligently preparing a place for a fire first by scooping away the snow with her hands and then by scraping it with a three-pronged stick which she had found nearby however a fire in the snow was not easy to start even by a campfire girl 
so that fifteen minutes must have passed and an entire box of matches been consumed before the paper collected from about their packages had persuaded even the kindling to light and then by infinite patience and coaxing wet pine twigs and cones were added to the fire until finally the larger logs discovered under the surrounding trees also blazed into heat and light and while betty was cherishing the fire esther managed to make a partial canopy over their heads with brushwood there are but few things in this world though that do not take a longer time to accomplish than we at first expect and require a longer patience so that when the two girls had finally arranged their temporary winter shelter the twilight had come down and both of them were extremely weary nevertheless the most wonderful coffee was made with melted snow in the tin can bacon sliced and with the knife no camp fire girl fails to carry and crackers toasted into a delicious brown and then when supper was over betty crept close to esther under their rug resting her head on her shoulder no one knows where we are tonight, esther so no one will worry the girls will think we stayed in town on account of the storm and our friends in the village that we are now safe back in sunrise cabin so do let us make the best of things she whispered tonight at least we are real campfire girls from necessity and not choice and i believe i can better understand why our ancestors once used to worship the fire as the symbol of home then too i am glad we chose the pine trees for our refuge i wonder if you know this legend when mary was in flight to egypt to save our lord from herod she stopped beneath a pine tree and rested there safe from her enemies in a green chamber filled with its balsamy fragrance the tree proving its love for the christ child by lowering its limbs when herod's soldiers passed by and then when the baby raised its hand to bless the tree it so marked it that when the pine cone is cut lengthwise it shows the form of a hand the hand of christ with the telling of her story betty's voice was sinking lower and lower and as her cheeks were now so flushed with their nearness to the fire and with fever from the pain in her foot esther hoped she might soon fall asleep so she made no reply but instead began singing the good-night song of the campfire girls which has been set to the beautiful old melody drink to me only with thine eyes and though she began very softly meaning her song to reach only betty's ears by and by forgetting herself in the pleasure her music always brought her 
she let her voice increase in power until the final notes could have been heard some distance through the woods and even a little way up the hill which stood like a solid white wall before them the snow had stopped falling and the wind had died down but the coldness and the stillness were therefore the more profound the sun is sinking in the west the evening shadows fall across the silence of the lake we hear the loon's low call so let us too the silence keep and softly steal away to rest and sleep until the morn brings forth another day betty betty instead of allowing her friend to sleep esther began shaking her nervously only a few minutes after the closing of her song and betty started suddenly giving a little cry of pain and surprise for evidently she had been dreaming and found it hard to come back to so strange a reality here she and esther were alone in the winter woods not many miles from shelter and yet unable to find it while she had been dreaming of herself as a poor half-frozen waif somewhere out in a city street listening to strains of music which were not of esther's song but of some instrument the girl rubbed her eyes and laughed dear me esther it's too cold to sleep isn't it let us put some more wood on our fire and stay awake and talk i think the winter manitou pigboin must have been visiting me with the wind playing the strings of his harp for i have just dreamed i was listening to music you didn't dream it i wasn't asleep and i heard it also there listen the two girls caught hold of one another's hands and silently they stared ahead of them through the opening in their curious esquimaux-like tent could anything be more improbable and yet without doubt the notes of a violin could be heard approaching nearer and nearer transfixed with surprise and pleasure esther kept still but betty who in spite of her whims was a really practical person shook her head in a somewhat annoyed fashion it is perfectly absurd you know esther for any human being to be strolling through the new hampshire woods on a winter's night playing the violin we are not in germany or the alps or in a story-book but if it really is a person and not the spirit of winter as i still believe why he might as well help us out of our difficulty i don't feel so romantic as i did an hour or so ago at this instant a dim figure did appear around a turn in the road where the girls had previously met disaster and putting her fingers to her lips betty cried hello hello in as loud a voice as possible 
and at the same time seizing one of their burning logs she waved it as a signal of distress End of chapter 